afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, welcome to the internet's most sophisticated wrestling podcast, discussing the weekly aspects of it all, right here on The Bald Monkeys Wrestling Podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Monkeying Around, the second official episode of Monkeying Around. If you went to the YouTube channel, you would see it. It seems like we've got 50 million episodes of it, but no, not the case. Second like episode. shit up. And uh, uh, some more historic content here. And we've actually got the man in the Twitch channel right now who chose the pay-per-view that we're going to talk about today. Give him some love right now. Give, give Jazz some love in the... There we go, Chaz, the, the, the newest follower of the Bald Monkeys Twitch stream channel. Chaz in the chat room. And his suggestion for the, for the wrestling pay-per-view that we watch and we critique and we sit and chat about was none other than No Way Out 2004. If you don't, if you don't remember it, I think all you'd have to do is go look at the card and see the last match, and you would definitely remember it. But... So before we get into it, we did this last time. One to three words, everybody. How would you explain No Way Out 2004? We will start with our resident, Mr. Christopher. Jeez, I got to go first. Um, I would say storybook ending. Okay, like it. How about you, Creamy K? What do you got for me? I'm going to say Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. I, I would say that that feels pretty accurate as well once we get into it. Uh, da Boss. Uh, all around solid. Yeah. Captain Chuckles. Uh, I'm going to say uh, Playboy model opening. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, and I will say story continuity. And if people, I know it's early, but I mean, what are the toilet paper for? Some, somebody needs to be taking a drink right now. Somebody needs to be trying to drink of alcohol for me saying. There, um, there you go. There you go. This, is, this is a morning episode. Coffee. Yeah. Coffee. You can still have alcohol in the coffee. Yeah. I know. Coffee. I, Irish product coffee. placement. Bald monkeys. Yep. Hey, there you go. Merchandise. Oh, sorry. Merchandising. Merchandising. <laughs> so let's set the scene here. No Way Out 2004. It, it is at, I believe, Cal Palace. Uh, it is in yep. San Francisco. Yep. Um, our commentators for the night are Taz and Michael Cole. And can we talk about that for a second? Because... It's Michael Cole before he got annoying. I mean, so, I mean, I don't think he was very annoying in this pay-per-view. In fact, I thought the announcers in general did not take away from really any match. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. I would agree. 
Yeah, back when it was Cole and Taz, they got along really nicely, and they just the, the banter between them was good. What do you have to say, Chris? Just go ahead and say it. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. I don't. Don't, don't get out of yourself. I don't disagree that they didn't take away from anything, but looking at it today versus looking at it then, I feel like Taz and Cole are actually better commentators today than they were back then, which makes sense because it's been a long time. They've had, you know, a long time to season themselves. But I was listening to I was listening to Taz stammer and not get his point across. I was listening to Cole say the wrong name of wrestlers. Well, wait a second. Cole still does that today. So I guess that's kind of Michael Cole, but he was doing it a lot. And, and I feel like while they did a fine job, I think they didn't take away. They added to a lot of matches too. I just, I feel like I, the one thing I wrote down, cause I didn't write much down this time <laughs> was that, Taz, to me, has come a long, long way, and he is such a good commentator today. And I think he's learned a lot along the way of his career as a commentator because he was, he was like, just making noises back then. If you go back, and then we're not going to watch it again, but if you go back and, and watch the matches, Taz was just like, <laughs> like, every once in a while, he would just make these noises. And when watching, I'm like, okay, I'm getting excited a couple times. But then it was just like I was noticing that Taz was just making noises and not saying anything. So I love you, yeah. Taz. I love you, Michael Cole. And, you know, it was, you know, just, that was my opinion. I, I kind of disagree. What do you think, Creamy K? I think that if you were to go back and rewatch it, I think that you could make a drinking game out of Michael Cole saying the location that they're at and yes. probably before at least probably up until the Rey Mysterio match you'd probably be pretty bombed because he said the cow palace a lot yeah the cow palace man like we we've heard a bunch from from wrestlers that like this is one of the places like you dream yeah. to wrestle at you know it's like the garden and somewhere in Tokyo, and then the Cow Palace are like A, B, and C as places that people want to wrestle. And do I not get it? Does anybody get it? We don't live there, so we, you don't know what, yeah, the, I mean, <clears throat> what the atmosphere is. I mean, it, it's people like you can see it on TV, you know, like people on the West Coast that's never come out to the East Coast won't understand what it's like being in Madison Square Garden to watch any type of event you know and it's completely different from being out on the west coast you know watching that same event with you know west coast teams or whatever so i think that's what it is like it's it's one of those things like you you have to be there in order to understand you know what the hype is about yeah i had a friend from california tell me that it's kind of like their msg to them that's the feel they get around it so what's it called now it's called something else now, right? I mean, it still uh, references the Cow Palace. I don't keep. Else uh, owns I, don't, it. I don't keep up with Cow Palace uh, historical <laughs> data. Um, this is why we need Wikipedia. You don't have the. Uh, they they did sell eleven thousand seats, and that, my friends, is from Chuckopedia. 
Oh, <laughs> we don't oh. need this Wikipedia crap in here. Wow, wow. Is there is there a, a fight brewing over this? We'll see. We're gonna have to see who gets the rights to the Pedia. Oh man, that P- the Pedia battle, the the Pedia light battle. Um, uh, before, the, before you move on, throwing it back to last week, the point you made about having a heel and a babyface announcer. There was really a distinct line between Taz and Cole on which ones they were pulling for each match. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was clearly pulling for the heels all the time. This was this was pre Cole uh being a heel, right? Like this was when Cole was still like a face announcer. Like the babe he was almost a baby face announcer, really. Yeah. Look how look how happy Captain Chuckles is. Like to me, like that's I mean that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> Wow. That wow. that was something. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> Chuck, why? This, this is our favorite part. It's so hard so, for me to edit hey, when this happens. Hey, let's take advantage of this. Let's take advantage of this. Total Anarchy thirty seven has got a question in the chat and the Twitch stream. Yeah. This will give James the the ability to edit this out a little bit in our in our video. He wants to know what our thoughts were on the Cody Eddie Kingston match uh, on AEW this week. Um. Surprisingly good. Um, I, I wasn't. I personally wasn't expecting um, Eddie Kingston of all people. Like when when we I heard Open Challenge, I didn't think it would be Eddie Kingston per se. So I, I thought that uh, the the person that answered, a la Eddie Kingston, and the match subsequent match that they had, like I love hardcore wrestling to my core. So any semblance of hardcore wrestling in any match ever. Like I, I'm just all over it, and um, in regards to his promo, dude, Eddie Kingston can cut promos so good, man. Yeah, and I think he's proven that time and time again, even on like uh, NWA. So uh, the dude is like he's first class, and if he's a free agent and they have the ability to sign him, that would be pretty freaking wonderful for AEW. I think it'd be a great move. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I just I didn't care for the ending so much. I feel like it could have had a more. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually I am with you on that. I am with you on that. He tapped, yeah. right? I, that that's what drove me crazy. That's what drove me crazy. I lo- love the idea of Eddie Kingston on AEW. Obviously, we 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 have some connections to wrestlers that we're pulling for, but but when it got to the end of the match and you have Eddie Kingston tap out, Eddie Kingston, the gritty. You know, I had a fight, you know, drug abusers and, and death and blah, blah, blah. And he's going to tap out to a figure four that really wasn't even a great figure four, the way he put it on. It almost would have been better if Cody choked him out. I think that would have made more sense to end that match. Cody should have just flat out choked him out where Eddie just is out cold and Eddie never has to quit. Um, that fits more. Beyond that, the match itself was great. The power bomb that Cody took on the tax. I mean, it doesn't look as bad as it really is. When you take a power bomb on a tax, I can't imagine how far those tax go into your body. Just from the, yeah, ouch. So, yeah. I look forward to next week to see how they do the next one with Warhorse. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Although, exciting, but. Did you need to announce Warhorse? Could you not yes. have just could you not have just waited no. and had Warhorse show up show up? 
I disagree. I, I disagree. 100%. It's AEW doing right by the independents because you announced that Warhorse is on next week. And now people have one week to go sign up for IWTV, to go check out Warhorse wherever they can, to go, you know, support an independent because they need that. They need the name True. recognition from the big name. So I think they did it the right way 100%. If you just drop it in on AEW on a Wednesday night, no one's looking up anything on independent wrestling. They're just watching the match that happens. I think that's a fair point. Good point. You, you have changed my mind. What up? What up? What the hell? Uh, so there's a new, new message in the chat from a guy called Chuck3034 who says that his internet's out. <laughs> well, that's good anyway, because why would he not? Why would he even be interested in talking about the very first thing about No Way Out 2004, which is that Tori Wilson and Sable come walking down in their tight black dresses. And um, WWE is heavily pushing the fact that they have posed for Playboy, that they are on the cover, and that everybody should go, <laughs> you know, go check it out. And my thought process immediately out of the gate when I see this is, oh, how I miss WWE. Oh, how I miss the real thing from back in the day because <laughs> when i was a kid when i was a kid it was like uh, it was attitude error and this is into ruthless aggression era and ruthless aggression era still got crazy stuff going on and it's fun it's entertaining can, yeah. can, is, can any of you tell me that it wasn't entertaining to have those two walk down there to introduce the show the crowd went absolutely nuts I mean, yeah, but at the same time, my mindset was this could have just been a backstage segment or they could have just stood on the stage. They didn't have to do the whole the walk down to the ring. And I feel like it was just a way to eat up time because they weren't prepared <laughs> to start the show yet. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Steven. Like, while I appreciate the the sentiment of what they were doing, it was almost incomplete. Like, it was like, Hey girls, just go out there, say these couple lines that are, you know, innuendos and, you know, get the crowd going. There wasn't like a structure to, what was the no way out like music? What was the no way out like opening? Like what was, like, I don't, I don't remember seeing any of that. Like normally pay-per-views are like, here's your music. Here's your opening sequence. Here's your promos. This opening was like, here's two pretty girls pushing Playboy, which, you know, Chuck, obviously had that edition because he has all the editions of playboy um but it, it was just weird it was like the inch it was the introduction to the pay-per-view but it was yeah it was it, it was it was cut weird but it worked like you can't deny that the yeah, crowd wasn't like completely over for the situation sure. so whether we agree with what they did or not it worked it got their point across and it got the crowd going they so, I mean, it's, it might be easy pop points, but, like, that's, that's what you got to do sometimes. And, you know, being the hard-hitting good journalist that I am, I had to do a little, you know, deep dive into uh, the material that they were yep. talking about. And, you know, it's good, good high-quality stuff by Tori Wilson and Sable. 
I'm glad you did your research. <laughs> but someone did their homework a little. <laughs> um, so as Don't show us your. So as we continue, um, you know, right after that, we we do have an opening. You know, we do have a no way out opening uh, uh, of sorts with uh, kind of a larger promo of you know the Brock Lesnar Eddie feud over the last few weeks uh, before this. And um, uh, again, I thought it was a I thought it was a good promo package. Um, obviously, you know this is one of the more legendary matches. I think in WWE's history, to a certain extent, on a no way out, nonetheless, on a no way out. And before we really even get into it, I want to emphasize this pay per view was so damn good. They wouldn't dare even try to put on a pay per view this good without it being called WrestleMania or SummerSlam. Like they they put out the worst storylines right now, and, and even though some of these storylines throughout this pay-per-view were almost like we're gonna get to them some of them are yeah they're stupid but they're fun they're entertaining um would this be this one, was, was this the last one before wrestle this was like it was this pay-per-view yeah. and then wrestlemania like, yeah it was a month away so yeah. this is essentially like roadblock yeah yes roughly That's but they actually but they actually insane. did stuff yeah that's, that's insane yeah. yeah they did stuff I have to say this. This was back in 2014, and this was the last time Goldberg did anything relevant to a good storyline. Yeah, did 10 years on it. 2004. <laughs> so, yeah, 16 years ago. <laughs> Long time ago. But, uh, yeah, I, hey, I 100% agree. The issue with that statement is – it was a good storyline that had a terrible ending because what does that lead us to? That leads us to that awful match with Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. Sure. Absolutely. Um, But payoff on no way out was worth it. So yeah, Uh, absolutely. So let's get right into it. First match of the night, Basham brothers and Shakina with Scotty Too Hottie, or sorry, Shaniqua, Shaniqua. With, versus Scotty Too Hottie and Rikishi. Thoughts right out the gate before we dive to, into it. Got me moving. Got me dancing. <laughs> got, got me dancing. Loved yeah. it. Loved yeah. it. I gave, I gave these matches a grade, and some of, some of the matches with, like, the more notable people got, like, Bs. This got an A. I love this match so much. And I don't understand why it's so hard, again, for WWE. Like, all they got to do is go back and watch their old pay-per-views and go, oh, man, we had something here with the way that we would build these stories and these characters that we had. And to me, the, 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 the... best thing what do you actually what do you think chris what do you think i think is the best thing about this match uh the amount of bumps that she took yes with rikishi yes he was brutal with her yeah he took the bumps good and she was a good sport and she just kept going man yeah i mean she wasn't the best i mean i remember her from uh she was a tough enough uh contestant i believe and i mean she wasn't the best wrestler 
but she was willing to take bumps. Um, she played the character really well, and she was willing to get in there with a big guy like Rikishi, who, I mean, Samoan drops and and bumps in the corner and and the splash from the, the, the sit out. Yeah. I mean, come on, like those are those are some serious bumps to take. I mean, they're not dangerous. They're just solid. Like you feel them, I'm sure, every time you take them. So I, I give her all the credit in the world, and it made the match that much more compelling because it was a handicap match that you were like, well, is it really a handicap match? Is she really going to get involved? She got in there. She got in there more than the Bashams did. Yeah. yeah. So, love Which it. I think is the only negative I have it. I love the Basham brothers. I think they were very underutilized when they were there. Their flow together, they, I mean, their brothers, Tonic and Hardys, they just worked together great, and they didn't use them the way they should have used them. They could have been a lot bigger than they were. And they were bald. I like the bald guys. And they were bald. <laughs> yeah. We were pro, very pro-bald. Very solid tag teams because they were split between two shows, SmackDown and Raw. I mean, you had Rikishi and Scotty Duhati as the tag champs. Like, that's not even – if you think of two cool, that's not the two you think together. So that was the time when they were throwing a lot of groups together and they should have been used a lot more because they weren't brothers. Yeah. What do you think, Creamy K? I don't remember the Basham brothers, I guess, to the same extent that you guys do. Um, I could have been a time lapse. Yeah. No, no, that's not your fault. That's that's them not getting pushed, probably. I mean, that's really what happens with a lot of these things. So Yeah. I do remember actually watching this though. I'm pretty certain that we were, I was over uh, Squeak's house watching this way back when. And uh, I do remember Shaniqua getting pretty rough in there, tossing Scotty Tuati around. And I remember being pretty impressed with this. I'm like, here is this, you know, woman who is not that Scotty Tuati is a big guy, but he's not a small guy either. He's not a cruiserweight. Like he's not like a tiny dude. And she's picking them up and slamming them down with a little bit of authority. It was pretty good. I actually wrote down when I was taking notes of this match, I actually wrote down, have we gone backwards? And there and 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 I would and I know the answer to my argument is 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 no. We haven't gone backwards, but in ways we have. And, and in that way, I'm just saying there are there are women in WWE that are just cut out perfectly to be in these intergender situations. So mm. why not do it? The thing that was so interesting about um, Shaniqua and Rikishi's back and forth in the ring is how, A, Rikishi is super over in this match. I mean, he's, yeah. he's clearly the star of the match. And Shaniqua, over everybody else, is clearly the heel. So whenever he slams her, you know, there's like the, ooh, but then everybody's excited about it at the same time. So those people, you know, so, so the argument, and, and, I, and I remember, you know, there, there was an argument, I, I would say, in one of your guys' interviews, I think it was with Shazza. And it was. Shazza had mentioned that there's always going to pe- be people that have issues with the intergender wrestling and stuff like that. And I, I, I agree with her point, but I actually don't think that it's enough that it's an issue. And I think that when you, when you 
shine a light on the inner gender wrestling and you empower the woman in that situation it doesn't it's not like oh they're just beating that they're just beating the hell out of a woman or something like that when you know if they can hold their own they can hold their own i think that's why ivalice was always such like in lucha underground was always such a big deal because she would just you know she would just say you know i'm the baddest and she would just jump in there and just just do her thing in the ring and like you know everybody loved her for it so I, I this is this is a thing they need to get back to. They need to get back to always, it. always plug Lucha Underground. I always Lucha, Lucha, Lucha Underground's the best, you know. And it may and, not have been ran, ran well, but it it the product on TV was amazing. The product was beautiful. But but like Lucky. cheers cheers to, to uh Shaniqua as well for when she jumps on the back of Rikishi and she and he grabs her and then front slams her oh my goodness gracious i thought she was dead i mean it was crazy how hard that slam was but you know i gave it an a like loved it entertained you know point to point and this was back in the day when all these uh wwe matches were still pretty short i mean it wasn't as bad as the attitude error where it's like oh we're gonna have 11 matches and they're all three minutes long you know, but, you know, Ruthless Aggression Era, it's like, they doubled it. You know, so every match is like five minutes. That clothesline sheet, her and Scotty, their chemistry with that clothesline was great. Every, even the, the highlights where they showed where she did it before, he sold her clothesline like she was JBL. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look. Oh, more it's editing. Crack. God, I... <laughs> <laughs> I hate you, Chuck. I'm going to do it just to piss you off. Oh, my gosh. It takes so long to edit when the screens keep popping around. Welcome to my world. Okay. Well, hey, we, we're almost off this topic. I'm going to give you the mic if you want to say anything about Basham Brothers versus Scotty Tuhati and Rikishi. With- Man, I, I am with Kramer. I, I remember the Bashams as a tag team, but I don't ever really remember them getting like the push that they had at, at this time in, in, in like the stretch leading up to no way out and WrestleMania. Cause after I watched no way out, I went back and I watched WrestleMania right after it. Cause I wanted to see what the fallout was from all the stuff. And, you know, I remembered some of the matches and I know Chris mentioned like the, um, the Goldberg match and everything. But uh, I, I said, I said it in the, in the chat, I said after Rikishi, and I don't know if Chris, read it out but after akishi hits the bonsai drop um you can see the ref go, like jut underneath the ropes and tell shaniqua because she had her arms way out straight to like bring him closer to her body so that he could actually get yeah. the, a legit pin so mm-hmm. that that was kind of interesting but overall i thought it was a really a a, a good a good match at, and a nice way that they did the intergender stuff you know with Shaniqua in that in that match as well you mentioned the Wrestlemania following that and I think I remember maybe three matches from that Wrestlemania and you're talking about the fallout and only two of them had anything to do with this current card for no way out um well you had the the Eddie match at the end yeah you had the and I remember Goldberg and Brockmania and I remember the Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and Chris Benoit match. And that's all I remember from that WrestleMania. 
you also had there there was also a tag team match as well of uh, like a fatal four-way tag team match with the bashams and rikishi and and uh the apa i think were back then too um so there there was yep, a sure. bunch more but yeah i mean ultimately the 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 match was it was a nice a nice match to start off no way out in my opinion yeah i, I concur solid way to open the match open the, yeah. open the night yeah but then how do you follow up how do you follow up that match well we get to our silly match of the night which is jamie noble versus nydia and and i quote a boyfriend versus girlfriend blindfold match so they give the full story of jamie noble the story is jamie noble and uh nydia they're dating and here we have jamie noble he comes into a bunch of money and he believes after a stretch of time that nydia is just abusing his bank account and he is right he has he has turned on her and he's just like it's time for me to get rid of you and he used her when she was uh you know blind and couldn't see anything used her to win matches and stuff like that and so now they're going to fight each other but jamie noble has to wear a blindfold or in this case a black sack <laughs> over his head so he can't see anything and i i didn't write barely any notes for this match i just i just wrote this is crazy entertaining performance art and and i don't know if you would consider that to be a stretch or not you're laughing chris i hate you i hate everybody the editing for this episode is going to be awful <laughs> if you want help man i'll help you i got it i got it um <laughs> so what did we think about the boyfriend versus girlfriend blindfold match as for the <laughs> matches it was good i enjoyed it it was like, funny it didn't go over the top long uh kind of you got what you expected out of it. Jamie Noble, very underrated as a character when he was wrestling. He did really good in the weight division, and he's, I don't know, I loved him. J&J Security, I loved him. He's just, he's believable. He's good. If I had to pick one match that didn't need to be on this card, it'd be this one. Why not? Why did, why did it not need to be on the card, though? Because it's a it's it's a it's a pre-show match, or it's a weekly just match. What's it? Need... What's a, wait? What's a pre-show? Yeah, oh, there is no pre-show. Pre exactly, pre -show. the pre-shows didn't exist. But if I'm categorizing it as it is today, this match doesn't belong on the card. Yes, it does. It's 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 okay. Uh, it's funny, but ultimately. I don't think the card suffers from it not being there, and I don't think the card benefits from it, it being there. It benefits from being there. What are you talking about? I disagree. About? I disagree. I just I mean, watched the whole damn thing, and it benefited from being there. I mean, at, at the time, it, it, like, we're looking at this 2020 now. Sure. But at the time, it definitely served a purpose in their storyline. Like, I remember watching it when, when it was live, and going, oh my God, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But I, I agree with Jimmy that it was entertaining. I mean, seeing how many ways Nydia could get out of his way or like 
um, you know, uh, go down, you know, on the mat and have him trip over her, like going backwards. I mean, it was entertaining. And I mean, you can even see that like from the crowd as well. Like they were, you know, 75% into the match. And of course, you know, you have Jamie, uh, Jamie Noble at the end who, you know, cheats to get the win, but you knew that you knew that was going to happen anyway. But I mean, I thought I didn't write any notes about it because I didn't think there needed to be any notes, but it was interesting. And, you know, Nydia for the time, she, she could actually like wrestle halfway decently. Tough enough member number two, right? Yeah. Okay. If this match was happening today, it would probably be the third match on the WrestleMania card. And it would be saved by the hurricane coming out in the end to save her because of their storyline together. <laughs> <laughs> I just pulled Chris into it. You just you just pulled Chris right back into it. Yeah. What do you think, Creamy K? I don't have much to say on this one. I think it was more just you know, like you all said, it was a gimmick, had a little bit of entertainment value. Um, but I also kind of agree with Chris that the card it could have went either way with it being there or not being there. I, you know, again, I said I graded matches. And uh, again, there are notable matches that I gave Bs. I gave this match an A. Wow. That's how entertained From I Jimmy. was by it. Because it, it, it didn't, it, it did wrestling in a different way. It did, it did, like, you have to realize doing this, even if he can see through the mask, doing this coordinated back and forth of her, like, like you said, Chuck, always skirting around, you know, they even did like, you know, you know, like the, 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 the one spot where she's like in the corner yep. and he's coming to the corner with, with his hands up and she's like this. <laughs> no, no, and, no. And then all of a sudden he turns the other way. I mean, it's all, it's all entertaining in, in my mind. And again, it, you look, there are, Matches that we have nowadays in WWE that do a good job. And, and typically I think they're like some New Day matches sometimes, like the more lighthearted New Day matches where they get like this crazy kind of fun flow to them. And they're just straight up entertaining. And that is as important as any other type of match in a pay-per-view and I think it has its place and I think it benefited this card immensely. And by the time I got to the end of the pay-per-view had that match not been in there, I wouldn't have been as high on this pay-per-view as I was. That's me. I gave it two big thumbs up. Me too. What about you, Nickpedia? Late, How many late guy. Yeah. Sorry. Some of us have to work for a living to pay our bills. Um, I gave this one a C minus. Uh, it was stupid. It was dumb. You know, I laughed once or twice, but this probably would have been a pee break match. Like my brother said, you know, whether it was on the car or not on the car, I don't think it makes a difference in the grand scheme of things. Um, I do agree that Jamie Noble's character is funny and likable, but for the most part, this match just really didn't do it for me. And I think it was kind of a filler match. Yeah. I, I have one quick question. Did the brothers coordinate their shirt colors here? What's going on? I don't know. Yeah, it, it looks like they're both wearing yellow. 
They're definitely both wearing yellow. What do you mean it looks like they're both wearing yellow? We are yeah, both wearing, wearing yellow. <laughs> are you color are you colorblind, Chuck? Are no, you I'm missing not. this yellow? I'm it, just is, what does yellow taste? Yeah, never mind. Okay. Um, so moving into the next match, actually, pause, not moving into the next match because I have a note written down that says, is Josh Matthews in a boy band? Question mark. Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> and it's one of Christopher's favorite boy brand bands. It's definitely oh. a Backstreet Boy. Oh, oh my he's gosh. definitely he he's is definitely wearing a he was wearing a turtleneck. He's mm-hmm. got an earring. He's got the got the hair like very very like I mean it looked hard like you could punch his head and you would hurt yourself because it was like so solid and like frost tipped back like mm-hmm. it was it was awful. No, it, yeah, it was it was awful. As he just as, looks so young and and uh, like to see him on Impact now and see again another tough enough guy. That's three tough enough people on this pay-per-view that are, you know, playing a part, you know, playing a pretty big part. So, I mean, but yeah, seeing him now on impact versus the, the, the child that he was back then in the backstage interviews, it's come a long way. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I need to take a snapshot of him from that pay-per-view and uh, send it to Madison rain and say, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? <laughs> So third match, we get the world's greatest tag team versus the APA, which if you listen to the crowd, the crowd would probably say the APA was the world's greatest tag team because the APA was very, very over. What version of APA was this? Like where was, where was Bradshaw in his progression as a character? Was this, this was pre-JBL? This was pre-JBL and I believe just getting to the end of the APA as a tag team because I think soon after this, uh, Farouk, whatever you want to call him, he, he ended up retiring. And that's when JBL started. Well, that, that's when JBL started to be JBL. Yeah, they lost the match where uh, the losers had a re- – if they lost, they had a retire. <laughs> Please, I'm talking. And, uh, they lost the match where they rocked Come on, man. Have some respect for the podcast. They lost the match where they uh, had to retire if they lost, and then when they lost, Paul Heyman offered uh, Bradshaw a job as a singles competitor, and that's how he became JBL. Yeah. Um, Sorry about the barking. Yeah, no worries. So I wrote down – I don't know if you, you noticed this, but Hebner was counting so fast in this match. Was it just me, or was when he was uh, – when- he was – it was like, one, two. Like, I was like, goodness gracious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he got paid by the count that match. Oh, my gosh. Every two, every two count was just like the fastest two count I've ever heard in my life. A um, couple other things that I've got listed down here. I love it when Bradshaw goes and to throw Haas out of the ring and nearly hits the cameraman. Like, it shows the angle and the cameraman, like, pulls back, like, way back and, like, Charlie Haas like falls in front of yeah. him. Spectacular. Uh, it started kind of slow, but you know, like, like uh, kind of like your traditional match started slow and then just got more chaotic and more chaotic. And by the end it was, it was really fun. It was a fun match. I mean, it was, it was good tag team wrestling. Let's be honest. Like that's the tag team wrestling that I remember enjoying. Um, the world's greatest tag team. One of the best tag teams of that time. 
they had great chemistry. They were both incredible athletes. Uh, Shelton Benjamin probably at his best during that period of time. That's when we got Shelton Benjamin eventually in that ladder match where he pulls off some crazy spots. Uh, JBL and obviously, uh, you know, Ron Simmons or Farouk or whatever damn you want to call him. I mean, them as a tag team, APA, the backstage segments they had, the in-ring segments they had, you know, all the items that they were able to pull together as a character. I think APA is one of the best the best ideas for a tag team like they've ever had. Because if you think about it throughout their, you know, career as a tag team, their backstage segments were either awesome because they were funny because they were, you know, kicking the crap out of the Dudley boys or, or just because they were able to pull off their characters. Their in ring was always strong. I I don't remember ever going, Oh man, that was a bad match for the APA. Like altogether, those two, I think one of the best tag teams that we don't talk about. I still have their shirt. <laughs> I just don't like I don't like JBL in the APA without long hair. He looks weird. I don't yeah, like him sure. without the facial hair either. Yeah, I yeah. like the facial hair and the long hair. Like that was the that was the best. That was the best version of his character. And like they just it's one of those you think of tag teams in the past and who would fit in for like the tag team dream matches today. And a couple of years ago when Sheamus and Cesaro were together, I think them and the APA would have put on an amazing like any kind of match. But I just it makes me think back to like the ball the barroom fights the APA used to have. Let them and Cesaro and Sheamus just go at it for ten minutes in a bar and just beat the hell out of each other. Be amazing. Two two tag teams I wish we had today in any promotion. Those yeah. those two tag teams have fought. And it was a well put together match. It told a story. They they worked one arm with JBL. They worked the other arm with Ron Simmons. I I I loved how they put together the whole match. I loved how it ended. Um, just, you know, JBL almost getting over because, you know, he hits it, but his arm hurts so much and selling that so much. And I was impressed at how strong he was. At one moment, he's in the corner with, uh, I believe it was Shelton Benjamin, and he's holding him up, and he does the, the backdrop, the suplex from the corner. He did it so effortlessly. It was amazing to me. Like, I forget how strong that guy is. Like, that was impressive. You got to give him credit, too, because you give people crap for some of their finishing moves being dumb. But this finishing move is literally just a clothesline, and it looks devastating when he hits it. Yep. Better than a Superman punch. True. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody else have any thoughts on this match before we move on? Um, I thought it was a really good one. I thought this one probably should have been the championship, the tag team championship match with the teams that were in it. You know, the first match of the night was fun, but like you guys have all said, you know, Bradshaw was a heck of a wrestler. You know, he had a great solo career as a heel. You know, I remember how much I hated JBL. You know, because I was a big, I was a big John Cena fan when I was when I was younger. But uh, word life, word life, baby. And uh, but yeah, this was a really good match. I thought this is where the show kind of started to pick up some steam. I thought this where it started to get pretty good was uh, this match right here. Don't worry, Nick. You you get your you get your wish at WrestleMania to have them in the match for the title. So just just leading up to it, just storyline, just story. Yeah, West, yeah just you're story. right. Really, like, drink. But so uh, yeah, yeah, story, drink. 
Um, been drinking anyways. I didn't know we were playing that game. So, so <laughs> we 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 move on to like the next big things that's happening. It's it's going to be Nick Amore's favorite wrestler of all time, and that is Goldberg. Goldberg, <laughs> Goldberg comes out. <laughs> To sit in the seat that Stone Cold Steve Austin has given him a ticket for. And we have a in-ring segment where Heyman comes down. Heyman just starts unloading on Goldberg. And then Brock Lesnar comes down and tries to instigate a fight with Goldberg. At which point Goldberg jumps into the ring, attacks Brock Lesnar. The cops come down. Goldberg jumps down gets arrested willingly and and walks out. And I have uh the only note I put down was Goldberg was wasted in his prime in WWE. One hundred percent. A I, lot of it was wasted against Triple H. Cause as much as I hate Oldberg, like when he comes back now, I mean you had Goldberg in his prime and he's more compelling as a young guy. All of these guys did, maybe not Goldberg though. That's this. Here's the one tricky thing. Maybe maybe Goldberg doesn't apply to this, but but like I feel like even the guys now that we complain about, like they do all the same stuff. Like even Brock Lesnar was doing a lot more back then than he does now. I mean, he was doing a lot more. Like he was such mm -hmm. a good wrestler back then that it pains it pains me nowadays that he's such a bad wrestler now in my in my humble opinion of course um well that's a different yeah let's let's hold that conversation sure. for the end end of the pay-per-view because i have yeah. thoughts on that comment <laughs> but but ultimately this segment i think you know okay so i'm gonna make a a, a very general statement and i and i said it last night while i was doing my homework it felt like Today, this pay-per-view would be what they would promote as a Raw or a SmackDown. The way it was produced, the way it was put together, the way it flowed, it felt like a regular weekly show today versus a pay-per-view. Now, back then, I looked at it, and I'm like, yeah, this is a pay-per-view. This totally makes sense. I mean, this is the, 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 the size of the matches, the, the card. But while I was sitting there, I went, man, I went, I, I feel like, I feel like this would just be a Raw or just a SmackDown. Like, this is what they would try to put on today where there's segments, there's promos being cut. And it, it was a situation where we don't see that in pay-per-views today. Pay-per-views today are very match, um, build up to the match, like, you know, the preview to the match, match, preview to the match, match. This one actually layered in a lot of promos and a lot of things that you would normally see on a weekly episode. So that in itself was different to me and it, it engaged me more for the pay-per-view. I felt like I was more into the pay-per-view the whole time because I was, everything had, every part of it, I had to be paying attention because it was adding to what I was watching rather than, oh, this is the preview to the match. I go take a piss. Does that have to do with the fact that WWE at the time did a better job at like the storytelling aspect of things and and keeping you engaged all the way through till you get to the match and then after the match and then to the next show i mean it's 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 something that they don't do it's 
it's like I said before on other things. It's it's throwing the darts at the dartboard. It's here's this one, here's this one, here's this one, here's this one, here's this one. Okay, we're done. Great. Good job, guys. We'll see you next time. That's why that's why I chose the word story continuity mm-hmm. for when shit. <laughs> <laughs> for when I for when um we were expl- describing it basically in a couple words. Yeah. It it is but, and, and it is nice the, to see it. It's not the only it's not the only WWE pay-per-view though that has that. It's that era. That era mm-hmm. they cared so much more about story. And so now and and I've made this complaint numerous times on just free chatting roundtable podcasts. We we've gotten to a point in WWE where they had gotten so big at some point that when they commit to a story and they see ratings drop, they go, oh, no, no, we need, we need to pull away from that story now. It's like, that's, that's not the good thing to do because if you just take eight different stories that are all unique and you just commit to them, then, you know. It's, it's what a lot of the wrestlers that leave WWE say it's just a machine and you just, you just shove stuff into it and you get the same stuff out all the time. It's here you go. And you get that out. Here you go. You get that out. And it's the biggest complaint that I've seen when these, when these guys leave that that's all it is. It's, it's, it's just a machine and there's no room for these guys. Sometimes if they're not making you a billion dollars a year, you know, to be more creative and be more productive and be a more productive wrestler. And you, it takes away from it. I mean, I still love wrestling and I will watch all of it, but it was way more intriguing, eye catching and just fun to watch as a whole back at this time because of those reasons, you know, now you, you impact did a great job with Slammiversary the other night. You know, AEW has been doing a good job, but WWE, it's just, it's their formula. And you want to know what? You got to change your formula sometimes. Are, are, they, don't need to, they don't need to change it. At some point, they changed it from well, the yeah. formula that works. Well, they got to change it fast now. <laughs> it's like, oh, I've come up with the formula with the greatest drink ever. But, uh, you know, let me just use this one instead you know oh that drink tastes like crap well (laughs) i've lost the other formula so you know good luck so uh dog owner nick um um you wanted to say something about goldberg i'm assuming because you were trying to raise your hand i'm glad uh chris and chuck went first so i could calm down for a second because you said some real outlandish shit jimmy First off, <laughs> outlandish. First off, Brock Lesnar is not a good wrestler. He's a great wrestler. All right. Yes, he does not bring it every night. Yes, you know, lately. Is it, I mean, he hasn't brought it in every years. Night. What are you talking about? He has, it's been he years. Has, he has he, like he fought AJ Styles once and he brought it. Like, come on. Yeah, now. you know, he, he brought it for Finn Balor at a Royal Rumble, I believe, about a year or two ago, too. You know, he can still turn on when he wants to. But at this point in time, he was a great wrestler. And he was a must-see ticket, you know, at any pay-per-view. But your Goldberg comment's the one that really stung. Would you shut up, please? Your Goldberg comment. Your really dog's com- telling you you're wrong. Your Goldberg <laughs> comment really under my skin. He's an atrocious wrestler. He was not wasted. He was overpushed in WCW, and he didn't get that same push in WWE because he stunk. He was not very good. 
He had few mic skills. He's not a good wrestler, and there's just not much to like about him unless you like that undefeated streak that he had, you know, 20 years ago. You, did, did, did you hear how many people were chanting his name? He was over. <laughs> here's, a, here's, a, here's a comment that we, li- we like it's to so say. Here, like, here's a comment that we like to say all the time, and it's true. Just because it doesn't work for you doesn't <laughs> mean it's not working. And I have to deal with that fact all the time in wrestling. I mean, goodness gracious, Becky Lynch, just because it doesn't work for me doesn't mean it's not working. So I'm going to make a comparison, and I want you guys to say I'm crazy or not. Is Braun Strowman crazy? Yes. And Goldberg yes. the same thing? Yes. Oh, no. Yes. No. Yes, no. they are. Uh, Braun Strowman stinks. Braun Strowman's funny. Braun Strowman has good promos. Braun Strowman played that big-ass violin that one time, and it was hilarious. Goldberg <laughs> <laughs> has always sucked. Wasn't Never it a been cello? Never it's not a big-ass violin. It was, it was an upright bass. <laughs> okay. It's a cello. It's not a violin. Oh, yeah, I'm not a conductor, all right? I don't know much about the orchestra, all right? You driving a, a train? <laughs> that's, what they, that's what they call people who uh, conduct the opera, too, right? He is I true. Guess. He, he, he is opera. true. They're not conducting the opera. They're conducting the orchestra. Fuck on that. I'm cultured, guys. <laughs> Braun Strowman missed his spot. So yes. now, he's, now he's universal champion and nobody and cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, no, it's just a comparison. Scott. It's a comparison. Not when he was ready for Braun Strowman. But isn't that the same argument we're making about Goldberg, like being misused and, and the character he was back then? And same thing with Braun Strowman now. Strong guy in his prime or a little after his prime. He's able to do big spots. But ultimately, if you're not used perfectly, eh. Yeah. I mean, the you crowd's gotta give, into it. But, you got you to gotta yeah. give him the belt and you got to give him a, a, not a huge run. Like, you can't have a run for like a year. But like over like a few pay-per-views. And the key is... Don't let them fight anybody. <laughs> Don't let them fight anybody. Because then they're exposed for how bad they are. Yeah, and I cannot, the worst, the thing that triggers me the most in wrestling right now, especially in WWE, is how many big guys they have that can't do anything. That just play the part of, I'm big, I'm strong. No, you're big, you suck, you're bad at wrestling. Like, like, Am I wrong? No. The ones that are talented, they don't even use. They don't use for singles talent. I like, like like somebody like Big E, like he could have a run, but they don't use him. Instead, a, there, was, there, was a tease. there was a tease last night. So we'll they use Bobby Lashley. These guys, Bob. they're not Bob. Bob, Bob. Lashley. Bob they're Lashley. Not, <clears throat> they're, not, they're not great. They're just these big guys that aren't. They're not great. Bob Lashley was pretty good. Yeah, he was well, he was he was used properly in Impact, and he was a big fish in a small pond when Impact was going on. Then, and and it goes back to the conversation that I think we're having. I feel like there's almost too much talent on these on these bigger promotions. And Chuck had mentioned like miss you the, the way they're using them and giving them the 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 platform to showcase themselves. I feel like there's too much talent. I, I, we talk about. Yeah, they should sign him and they should sign them. They got to be careful about how much talent you have on a roster. Take the talent you have, use it, showcase it, use the athletes, 
use the charisma, use the characters, and use them appropriately because you have it. You, you have it on there. And back then, and we're trying to get back to what we're supposed to talk about today, sure. back to 2004 No Way Out, they were using the talent properly. They didn't have a huge roster of people, but the roster they had, they were using it properly. Goldberg was over. Goldberg did the spots he needed to do that night perfectly. And Brock sold those moves perfectly. So all in all, it was a well-put-together show and a well-put-together spot when Goldberg jumps the rail and gets in there and Brock plays that chicken game with him and Heyman flips out. That whole segment worked perfectly. And it's because they allowed the people the time to get over and allowed the people the time to build that story and, and, and make it work. I loved how the cops actually looked like cops. They weren't. They weren't wrestlers. Not wrestlers. Yeah. They wouldn't have the time if it wasn't odd odd body cops. Free of time for that. That's where that Jamie Noble match plays in effect. You have those little, small, little gimme, funny things to free up the time for those longer segments like that later on. Yeah. Yeah. True. Fourth match. Hardcore Holly versus Rhino. And, um, you know, I'd say a pretty average match from my perspective. Um, at that point, when I saw Rhino, you know, I've already seen Goldberg, I see Rhino. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, we're three years removed now at this point in this pay-per-view from, uh, you know, WWE buying WCW, WWE buying ECW. And so you see a lot of uh, faces that you recognize. Um, but, you know, the guys that would – drive people wild in ECW like Rhino. Eh, I don't think the crowd really cared for him very much. <laughs> Good match. Yeah, it's all right. Let, let, let's, let's be honest, though. Like, they're, they're, it was a good chemistry match. They're both hard-hitting guys, mm-hmm. and they put on a good show. And let's not forget the fact that they continued a storyline with Hardcore Holly and Brock Lesnar. Mm-hmm. where Brock is out there after getting speared by Goldberg <clears throat> and hardcore Holly runs out to try to pick up, you know, still get a little couple of some of the scraps and beat him up yeah. some more, which I find incredibly refreshing. The fact that they were like, no, we're not just going to like get this guy to crawl out of the ring, get the next guy to come in. We're going to flow from one segment to another and everything's going to fit. And it's, it's, it's the, the theme of the night. They mm-hmm. went all the way to the end with that story. Yeah. It was perfect placement for, for everything that happened at that time, too. Yep. It's like they actually thought about it before they did it. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, I agree with the realism of the hardcore Holly storyline, too, because, you know, Brock Lesnar really did break his freaking neck. So I like the fact that, you know, when he came back and – uh you know, they had that match at Royal Rumble. You know, it wasn't just a one-off. Like you guys said, you know, the story continued because, you know, if someone actually breaks your neck, that's not just something you forget. So I think it was pretty cool that they had that Accurate. continued next pay-per-view. I would have liked to see this as a hardcore match. What, Rhino yeah. versus Hardcore Holly? Uh, yes, I. but uh, the problem is, is, like, you could throw – I don't know, two midgets in a ring and say it should be a hardcore match. And I'm going to say, yeah, I, <laughs> I, want, I want everything to be a hardcore match. It's got to always go back to the midgets with you, doesn't it? Resident, I'm the resident hardcore guy. Hi. 
my thought is you have these two guys that are, you know, definitely hardcore wrestlers. Rhino coming from ECW and hardcore Holly, well, shit, it's in his name. Uh, you know, with all the other matches that you had for the night where you had a couple of, you had your gimmick match with the blindfold and then you had your, um, the handicap intergender-ish match, you know, why not throw in another one that had a different stipulation? So make it a hardcore match. Was this a pee break match? Yes, I would say yeah. that's accurate. But a good, for, but a good, pee but break a good match. one, a good pee break match. Well, to be fair, um, you know, we we went and saw you know the very first Royal Rumble that had two rumbles that had the women's rumble and the men's rumble, and they had what it was like the bar yep. in the tag match like after that, and it was a perfectly good match. But everybody was so winded, and it was obviously a mm-hmm. pee break match because. Yes. You just put on a rumble for an hour. Yep. You know, it's like it, there there was no good placement for matches in that. You know, <laughs> but yeah, pee break matches are a thing. You know, it, one of the it's funny after WrestleMania is one of the things that all of us complain about the most is like they didn't organize the matches in the right direction. It's like the, the, there has to be a pee break match because WrestleMania is so long. It has to be a pee break match, like every you know certain amount of matches and it's like they never quite get it right it's it's more than just the matches it's 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 how you put together the card it's important it's 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 part of the show you're putting on and if you don't put the card together right it suffers this was a perfect card this this card of no way out 2004 where they put this match where they put everything where the way they built to the end the card was perfect I don't have to love every match, but the way they built the card. Yeah, I was about to jump all over you for that one. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Christopher thinks that the Jamie Mo- Noble match is part of a perfect <laughs> pay-per-view. No. no, I don't have to agree that I liked the match, but where it was positioned on the card made all the sense in the world. All the sense in the world. The boss. Let's keep it going. I'm tired of talking about the Jamie Noble match and how you are dumbly not agreeing with it. Dumbly is not a word. Um, so <laughs> we we kick into a promo package that then leads to this um, uh, Rey Mysterio uh, Chavo Guerrero match. Um, and and the one thing is like so you find in this promo package Guerrero unconscious in a bathroom, unresponsive in a bathroom. And when I was watching that, I was like, that, this is eerie. It was eerie having that spot given, you know, what eventually happens with Eddie Guerrero, you know, uh, toward, you know, at the end of his career when he passes away. Um, so it was kind of like, to me, yeah, it was kind of a really weird moment, but it obviously it fed into um, this Rey Mysterio Chavo Guerrero match in which Mysterio believes that Chavo is behind it. You know, and uh, Paul Heyman decides he's going to give Chavo Guerrero a cruiserweight title match against Rey Mysterio. Now, the original cruiserweight title. So this is the cruiserweight title that began in WCW. And then in 2001, WCW gets brought into the fold. And this cruiserweight title keeps going. And it's the thing that, A, they never should have gotten rid of in the first place. But, B, they did poorly a lot of times they did poor poorly because who was the last do you know who the last person that held the cruiserweight title was anybody 
for a uh, thousand points toward what was that? Hornswoggle. Correct. Hornswoggle. See, WWE is so good at booking a cruiserweight title. Was <laughs> not, not, so, not surprised that they got rid of it. Who was the longest reigning? Uh, I don't know that one off the top of my head. Gregory Helms. Yeah. There Man, you go. back. <laughs> the the one wrestler that truly brings the kid out of Christopher. Mm-hmm. True. Um, so yeah, uh, I've got a couple things listed here for this match though. Um and that is a good match, good story. Um at this point, there have been so many promos and matches and segments and stuff where you have seen Eddie Guerrero in some form or fashion. At this point, Eddie Guerrero is maybe the hottest wrestler in WWE, but definitely the hottest wrestler on SmackDown. Like, it is all about Eddie Guerrero. He is obviously later on, you find, I mean, he's way, way, way over. Um, But yeah, I, there was a lot more, uh, what I said, there was a lot more, and I know the argument's going to come out here. Like, you have guys like Andrade, and you guys have, like, Angel Garza right now, but I feel like the Latino love was much stronger back then than it is now. Because... So that was all Eddie. Yeah. All Eddie. But, it, no, I, I'm saying it wasn't just all Eddie. I'm saying, like, I know Eddie, it probably right. helped that he was the main Chavo. focal point, and that helped pass down love to Mysterio and to Chavo and stuff. But these matches felt so much more important than any of like the, the high level Latino matches that we see nowadays. And it's funny that if I feel like if we just go in that direction that you always talk about, Steven, of doing another Latino world order, like you can get that back. It's not too far gone and it's just good. It's good. It's a good cheap way of getting a storyline started up. It's like a no-brainer. I don't know why they haven't done it. So I don't know. What do you what do you guys think? Back to that match. Any match with Ray and anybody with the last name Guerrero is one hundred percent worth watching. You know it's gonna be a don't take your eyes away from a kind of match. Their flow with either one of them was amazing. One of my favorite matches is Ray versus Eddie in WCW for the same cruiserweight championship. So they just they work wonderfully together. Any, anybody with the name Mysterio or Guerrero together, it's wonderful. If you have not seen any of this match, you need to go watch it. Hey, Chuck. Welcome back, Chuck. Yes. Hey, Chuck, look, you're in a different position. <laughs> Does uh, anybody else have thoughts on the Guerrero? Mysterio? I'm never, I'm never going to be invited back. Oh my gosh! I loved by the I love that moonsault that he does towards the end of the match. That uh, moonsault looks so cool. It was well, such a weird compact short. high. He yeah. does, but it looked yeah. cool nonetheless. But Chavo it saved it. Chavo yeah. saved it. Mm-hmm. So I, I really enjoyed uh, Ray's old music. <sighs> Damn it, Chavo! <laughs> <laughs> oh. I did when I heard it. I was like, oh man, I totally love this old music. You don't like Sorry. the booyaka booyaka. No. Well, Chuck stole my thunder there. That was going to be the thing I brought up is I think Mysterio was super over too, like by himself. Like first off, he had amazing entrance music. You know, that's probably one of my favorite entrance songs, you know, maybe top five of all time. 
Um, I thought this match was really good. I thought you could have maybe like booked it as a triple main event just because, you know, the last three matches of the night were, were just that entertaining. Um, and then I don't know if maybe if I was stupid back in the day or what, but I completely forgot that Chavo had, you know, an escort to the ring. Like, you know, the, I just got so, like, enthralled with the match and the spots and everything. Like, when, when the end of the match came and Mysterio got screwed over like that, I completely forgot, you know, his uncle was right there. You know, just screwed him. Like, when he came back in, I just remember being so shocked. Like, oh, I forgot about him. Like, he was right at ringside the whole time. So, uh, yeah, that's, I really enjoyed this match. And um, it was a – it was a good one. I gave this one an A minus on my notes. A minus. I was very, very happy um, with the third to last match of the night. I, I was, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. I want to call out late in the match where Chavo puts Ray in a half Boston crab, which looked exactly like a half lion hammer. He was leaning back. He had a lot of torque going in there. I was like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah, it looked it looked great, and there were some fun like he he the, I uh, I can't even remember the spot now, but I wrote down great uh, great reversal from the springboard. Oh yeah, yeah, because uh, I think it was at Ray does a springboard, and then Chavo like reverses it or what? I mean that God day lucha wrestling is so fun, and it's a shame that I, I feel like people get so hung up on like or like in WWE at least they don't like the wrestlers that wear masks and stuff like that anymore. I feel like, you know, nobody can wear a mask anymore. Yeah. You know, you have to speak English. It's like all of these like weird arbitrary, like Vince things. And I think he's just wrong on them. You know, I think that, you know, I think sometimes a wrestler can be more compelling, you know, and they don't even have to say a word. I think that, I think that Ricochet was much more compelling as Prince Puma in Lucha Underground, and he never said anything. Our he never Lucha, talked. Our Lucha Underground podcast was the greatest podcast that never was, Jimmy. <laughs> I know. There's the second person Truth. to say that today. <laughs> Truth. One so, day. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to get an argument from you guys or not, but I'm going to say it. You're wrong! This <laughs> was the match of the night. Incorrect. This, to me, was well put together from start to finish it had every piece of the story that was being built it wasn't just in ring stuff it was outside the ring it was interference they played to the crowd you know great spots there i don't remember any kind of botches throughout the whole match i think it flowed perfectly and ultimately, the ending was perfect. As soon as I started watching this match, I went, I remember this match. I remember how it ends. I remember Chavo gets over. Like, the whole part, and even the promo in the back after the fact adds to, again, we're talking about the build-up to the final match of the night, adds to the Eddie story. So, as a whole, from the beginning of the promo package to the ending, this, to me, match of the night. Drink. Uh No. Eddie, Eddie and Brock are a match of the night, but I don't, I mean, I'm not going to argue that it's not a good match. I would think. I don't know about match. As a whole match, this one was up there, but the moment of the night was definitely the Eddie match. Yeah, I, I actually think, I mean, I just That's like, because, because I think, moment. I agree with you in the, the whole build, 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 and I think that made Eddie and Brock the match of the night for me personally. Um, yeah, they just 
slow burn to the Eddie match throughout the whole night. It was good. But this is based on a pay-per-view because, again, if I'm just going to pick a match that's the match of the night, it's Jamie Noble. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, it's performance art, man. I'm telling you, it was legitimately performance art. You're going to put Jamie Noble with a hood over his head over freaking Chavo Guerrero and Rey Mysterio. Yep. Okay, y'all, let's not get into a pissing contest. Let's get to the triple threat match. Uh, Triple threat match. Good God. What the... Okay, so here's the most important note that I wrote down. So we've got Angle versus Big Show versus Cena. Okay? And I want to talk about John Cena for a second. Because I've got a note here that says, WWE ruins some of their best characters by making them faces. Period. And now, was John Cena a face? The crowd made him a face. Was he a face? No, he was not. He's an anti-hero. So anti-heroes, people love anti-heroes. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. Like all of these characters that are truly great, they don't force them to be like these good guys to sell merch to kids. And guess what? Those people still sold merch to kids. I bet I was like, when I was a kid, I loved The Rock. I loved Stone Cold Steve Austin. They weren't trying to pander to me, but I still loved them. So Word Life John Cena is so incredibly good and it makes me think about like first so they ruin him they ruin him by changing you know him into the modern day john cena that we have now and kind of like roman reigns you know roman reigns like he kind of starts started out as a he was more of a heel when he got really popular when he was really over and when you push him too hard as a face and that's why people push back because it's like you know, these guys were good as they were. Don't mess with them. They've got a good character. Let them roll with it. I don't know what you guys think about that, but that's just like, I mean, the, I thought the match was very good. Solid match yeah. all the way across. Yeah. I just like, that's the one thing that perturbed me, though, when I was watching it. I was just like, God, John Cena is so good as that character. Why did they ever go away from it? Because they entered the well, that has PG version. That's, yeah, that's just because they entered the PG version of WWE eventually. Which, by the way, there's a thing called AEW and their TV 14, and they're kind of a lot better than you right now because they're willing to push the limit on stuff. So they're doing wrestling wrong. Well, They've been doing wrestling wrong for a long time. Ever since they hit that PG era, everything's gone downhill, and they don't know why. You know. Why are ratings not like they used to be? Because you don't put out entertaining shit anymore. I don't know. That's my thoughts. You All guys right. go. I'm done talking. <laughs> oh, we were just waiting. I, I enjoyed the match as a whole. Um, I feel like the ending kind of jumped right back into the storyline they had leading up to Eddie having his match later in the night where he won the number one contender spot from Angle. Um they did it perfectly to set it up to where they're a month away from WrestleMania and there was already some kind of a story in place to be able to throw that into. And it was perfect. I, I remember looking back and watching it, you kind of felt like Cena was going to win just because he was the up and coming guy. He was the one they were getting behind 
big show they just do big show and everything just to have that big body there in case somebody else could do it and have the moments where cena would flip him or angle would you know slam him and big show was just meat in the corner basically that it was really just angle and cena and i would have probably enjoyed the match better if it was just Cena. but it was solid all the way around i enjoyed it i give it probably a minus Anybody else? I, Chris, go ahead. Uh, I want to point out, and I said it in the chat, how good is Kurt Angle in this match? Because I feel like Kurt Angle, you know, John Cena's, you know, great promo cut, you know, building his character, playing off Big Show and Angle really well. But I think Angle was the star in this match. The, the moves that he pulled off, the, the ability to, you know, pick up a big guy and dump him over the top rope like he did. Just this was Angle in his prime. And man, man, do I miss Kurt Angle. And I, and I wish we got more of that Kurt Angle in WWE. I feel like we got, we got gypped, who could have been like one of the greatest wrestlers ever in Kurt Angle. He had the character down. He was amazing in the ring. And going back and watching a match like this just reminded me what could have been for Kurt Angle. It's interesting because he arguably got better too when he went to Impact. He was he was just as good in Impact. I mean, he was a really really great character, and so I think a lot of people, you know, they have the tendency to be when they talk about Kurt Angle if they don't know about impact, I'm sorry, it was TNA back then, but TNA. if they don't, if they don't, if they never watch TNA, they go, well, he's such a good wrestler for such a short career. It's like, he didn't have a short career. Like go watch him in TNA. Like he's just as good. And I mean, he was incredible wrestler, but that was arguably a couple of the early years of that. He might've been in his prime, which is crazy to say. But like, I mean, he would. I mean, he was going off. Yeah, I I had a couple of things written down. I, I said going back to the whole music aspect of things, the John Cena Thugonomics theme is fantastic. I mean, and then he comes out and he just starts to spit his rhyme like he always did. I mean, just uh, spit his rhyme. Yes, we're going back. I mean, it was just amazing. Chris touched bug. on Chris touched on angle, kind of angle slamming Big Show over the ropes. I wrote down, "Holy shit!" <laughs> uh, the fu that John Cena oh, yeah. did to the Big Show in the middle of the ring. Holy crap! Like you just see how strong Cena is at this time to be able to do that, and you know. Big, and other guys have done it to Big Show, but man, that was awesome. And then to touch on like what Steven said, I wrote down, it was poetic justice that Angle won since he was the second runner-up in the SmackDown Battle Royal. And it just, it was like perfect, 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 perfect. From that Battle Royal to No Way Out and then to what happens at uh, WrestleMania a month later. It was a great match. When they were when they cared about storytelling. Yeah. I will uh I will try and be concise here because I have a lot to say, but I'm gonna keep it brief. 
first off, I love Ward Life John Cena. Anytime he comes out freestyling, whoo, that just gets me going. He, he was so creative. Like gets next panties in a bunch. It's incredible. Like, <laughs> I don't like to say this because I'm a big like rock supporter, but honestly, John Cena is probably the best on the mic of all time. Like if he could have had the TV 14 era his whole career, I can't imagine some of the stuff that he would have, you know, said or some of the stuff that would have came out of his mouth because he was so creative, so off the cuff. You know, he was fantastic, and he really knew how to get the crowd over. Uh, the Kurt Angle portion, I do think he's one of the greatest wrestlers, like, in the ring of all time. You know, granted, you know, his longevity in WWE in the early years wasn't the best, but I can't really remember ever watching a Kurt Angle match where I'm like, man, you know, that just – that wasn't it. That wasn't, you know, the match I was expecting. He always put on a good performance. Like, maybe it's because he was an Olympic gold medalist, but, man – that dude could really wrestle. And uh, I agree with you guys. I don't think the Big Show really belonged in this match. But at the same time, you know, it added a wrinkle. You know, it got John Cena's story to WrestleMania to face him for the U.S. title. He maybe wasn't quite ready, you know, for that main event push. And I think the fact that we had Kurt Angle versus Eddie at WrestleMania, you know, after the fact, you know, as the payoff for this little uh, couple of months building up to WrestleMania, you know, Kurt Angle and Eddie are probably maybe – two of the greatest technical wrestlers of this time period. And I think, uh, I think WWE booked it perfectly. You know, you can't say that nowadays, you know, it's probably been about 10, 15 years since they have booked something perfectly, but you know, like you guys were talking about, you know, this show top to bottom was really good. And especially these last two matches, I think they did a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, you know, what was interesting to me was, uh, the whole, when when Cena's up there doing his rhyme and he gets to the very last word, that is the word cock, ladies and gentlemen. He You're not supposed to, to say it. He doesn't have to say it. The whole crowd just screamed it. Mm. I mean, the whole crowd. It was wonderful. Was uh, so cool. One thing, and now maybe we've changed the rules, and like this is what I was confused on. I think we've changed the rules from 2004 to now. Um, they There's a low blow that they're like, oh, they're glad the ref didn't see it. And my thought was, and again, I guess the rules are different. My thought is, well, there's no disqualification in a triple threat match. So, well, why would it matter if the ref saw that you low blowed somebody? Like, it shouldn't matter. But maybe it was different back then. Maybe there was disqualification. I can't remember. Um I don't think there was. Yeah, I don't think there was. So, like, they, they hit a low blow, and it's like, oh, they're really lucky the ref didn't see that. It's like, why Why would it matter? <laughs> like, hey, you should be like, hey, ref, low blow. Like, <laughs> so. But uh, what I did, what I did, I just everybody have their drink close to them. Because this is where, when I got to match six, I wrote down story continuity. Cheers. Cheers, chat. Last match of the night. Hold on, Jim. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, the creamy one. One thing that I wanted to bring up, that I was waiting to see if anybody else was going to say it. So before the match started, they they were running the promos. They had the, I think it was called the tail of the tape. So you had all three wrestlers, their height, their weight, Mm -hmm. um, where they're from, and then it had their current, career accomplishments. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you see Kurt Angle, obviously Olympic gold medalist, at that point, multi-time, 
multi-time world champion. Uh, then goes to Big Show. Then, you know, he's the current U.S. champion. And then, yeah, three, you know. Three-time world champion. Yeah, multi-time world champion as well. And then you have John Cena, who has a Ph.D., in thugonomics i had to make sure i read it correctly so phd in thugonomics so nick the guy that you've been pretty hard up on is he's uh, a phd whereas everybody else is champions yeah he's a doctor he's a doctor doctor that's that's what phd stands for you're saying the same thing (laughs) oh man great point great point Thank you. I thought that was important to bring up. It's the little things like that that made it entertaining. It was. So now we're pivoting into our last match, Eddie versus Brock. Again, we show a long promo package, and one of the big themes on it is addiction. And again, Eddie being found unresponsive. So again, they show it again. I'm like, again, I write down, you know, interesting parallels based on, you know, Eddie's career. Um, But for me, this match, you know, obviously I gave this match an A. I I think it's incredible. The the notes that I I guess I wrote down that would be important before we start talking about the match would just be that, and this is the most important one, Brock is more interesting as a strong but not unbeatable wrestler. And the reason I say that is because there are people in the crowd that are holding up signs that say you tap twice, you know, that he's tapped to people, that he's a very, very beatable wrestler. But, you know, are you going to beat him all the time? Probably not. He's still a strong guy. And guess what? Brock also proved another thing throughout tonight. He doesn't need a valet. Guy can talk just fine. I think he can talk just fine. Is he, is, he, is he as eloquent as like The Rock or Stone Cold? No. Now, he's not as eloquent as some of those guys before him, but is he bad? No, I wouldn't say he's bad at all on the mic. Passable. So, so uh, while Paul Heyman is arguably one of the greatest on the mic, you know, I, I at the same time, I don't know. Why did you always, why do you always feel like you had to put – you know, Paul Heyman just with Brock Lesnar. Why not put Paul Heyman with a bunch of people that actually need the help? I don't know. Faction. A faction of Heyman's guys, right? Paul Heyman yeah. guys. It makes sense. But it you hit it on the head with Brock. It's like this was probably the best Brock was going to be in, in WWE at the time. Um, unfortunately, it's all downhill from here for, for Brock. I feel like this was like the apex of Brock Lesnar. Um, in that era, this is av- I, I feel like this Brock Lesnar that we've gotten versus that Brock Lesnar are two different Brock Lesnars entirely. Sure. That Brock Lesnar that that was the apex. That was a, a, a you know great wrestler, willing to do anything, putting people over, putting himself over. He was a, he was a good you know a good company man. Like mm. there was no I have no issue with that Brock Lesnar. Where this one is a little bit. A little bit muddy. He got he got too big, too in his head, too too. too I don't even know what the next word would be. He, he 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 ruined himself. Like I mean, go do what do everything that you want to do, bro. But like you as Brock Lesnar have, and I'm a 
I'm, I was a huge Lesnar fan. Huge. I loved the dude. He was amazing. But you ruined, you ruined this first run coming back and, and, and doing Brock Lesnar now. It's, it's, it's ruined your, your mystique. It's ruined your character. It's, it's, it's sad to see that that's what it came to. But like at the same time, like I think he just got, he, he got too big for his britches. Like he, he wanted to do things his way and Hey, that's his prerogative. Do what you need to do, bro. But like you are, you are not the same person that you used to be in WWE. And he wasn't one dimensional when he wrestled, uh, wrestled either. Like no. he, he did so many more moves. He did. He wasn't a three move guy like he is now. I mean, he was doing all kinds of stuff in that match. And, um, you know, they had super great chemistry with each other. There was like a tilt a world counter that like blew my head off, like when it happened. And then there was also that F5 counter. Uh, towards the end of the match that was like oh my my god like what a counter I mean in the crowd I mean the crowd was so so into this match Um, and I enjoyed the fact that you know we talk about like me and so me and Chris have this story that we always tell about going up to we were like up in uh, it was Asheville I think and we're going to see a WWE house show. And we the on the card is uh it was Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander, like two spectacular wrestlers that are underutilized in WWE. And they put on an awesome match, but they start out slow, you know, and they build and build and build and eventually hit that point where it breaks and it starts to become a brawl and it just goes crazy. And so we're getting up, you were, we're kind of getting annoyed because the people behind us during the beginning of the match, when they're just doing the grappling section are, are yelling like, this is boring. And it's like, you don't know anything about wrestling. So just shut the hell up. Just shut the hell up and wait and watch. It's like a slow build. You know, it's telling a story in the ring. Um, damn it, Jimmy. I know, I'm sorry. But my, my point of bringing that up is that there is a time and a place though where you don't do a slow build and you just go straight and do a brawl. And that's what happened in this match. There was no slow build. They just started going at it and it was the right timing for it. It was the right story for it. All right. I'm good. I disagree. I disagree that there, that you're, that you're saying this wasn't a slow build. I think this match was built from the beginning of the show to the actual match itself. And that's the slow build that you got for this match. That's the slow build that they were working on. And then when they finally got to the match, they could start picking it up right away because you were anticipating this match the whole night. The whole so, night you so the Brock bell was taking so drums. the bell rang at the very beginning of the show. Yep. So when the pay per view started, a bell rang, and everybody's like, "What the hell was that bell?" Oh, you know the uh, Eddie Brock match just started. <laughs> All right, this is a little trick I'm gonna I'm gonna start using on this podcast. So the story, this is the way Jimmy gets the can't talk anymore. If I say story enough, he has to put the drink to his mouth and it'll shut up. So oh, you do story, too, actually. <laughs> you do too, though. So that's why it I'll, doesn't I'll, work. I'll catch up later. 
the story began at the beginning of the show. And that's why the bell rang. The bell to this story began at the beginning of the pay-per-view. And this story worked out perfectly because as they built it up to this point, you didn't have to build a headlock and a grapple to start the story. The story already began. So you could get into the wrestling, you get into the quick moves, the quick the, the quick kicks to the leg, the working of, of the uh, anatomy that, that Eddie worked on, and the fact that these big power moves were amazing from Brock Lesnar that Eddie was selling left and right. So I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What did you say? The drink. I mean, I, 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 I agree with both of you. you both of your points are extremely valid. Chuck, stop trying to be the neutral middleman between me and Tiro. But but you're you're both right. I mean, I'm just you, you, you guys are both right. Like when when the actual match started, it was like shot out of a cannon. But Chris is also right that like there was a slow build all the way up to that match at the end of the night. So you guys are both right, Christopher. Okay, just it love must, each other. It must be really hard for them to to do a podcast with two people that are just right all the time. You know what I mean? Well, well that is extremely <laughs> and utterly not true. Because you and your stupid ass uh, classic Oreos are completely and utterly wrong. Uh, single stuffed Oreos, <clears throat> A number one. All right. The wrestling was the double stuffed Oreo of matches. On the you floor. shut your mouth, Steven. Nobody <laughs> asked you. <laughs> It was a classic match, right? Which means it was a single stuff Oreo. Boom. No, the single stuff Oreo was a Jamie Noble match. <laughs> no, that 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 match definitely had a double stuff Oreo in it. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> we were riding down. It was a great and match. Then, and then Chuck comes yeah. back in and it's just like. The storyline for the whole thing leading into Mania, what they've been doing the months prior, this was a great payoff match. Wonderful moment for Eddie. Um, of course, everybody who knows Eddie Guerrero Wrestling knows this match. And it was way past time for him to have the big belt. And the moment there, then the moment at Mania with him and Benoit might have even been bigger than his celebration at this moment. But well-deserved all around for Eddie. The match itself from Brock was amazing. He deserves massive props for that, especially going into the crap show he had at WrestleMania. He deserved amazing props for that Eddie match. This yeah. is what Brock should remember as his last match of his first run. He should have ended it there. They should have just had like a parking lot beat the hell out of each other and then both have been gone. That's how they, Brock and Goldberg should have ended their runs instead of having that shit show of a match. Do you guys feel like Eddie's the way Eddie won this match and the way the the night went was a fair story for for Eddie's first title run with Taz shouting Eddie cheated Eddie cheated Eddie cheated yes one hundred percent that's the Eddie Guerrero way yeah it's weird we'll we'll talk about it right and we'll say ah uh, it sucks that this person couldn't get over clean et cetera et cetera. Eddie getting over clean wouldn't have made sense. Like, that's, Eddie had to get over Eddie's way, right? Sure. Uh, that's what made yeah. it perfect. 
And, and how many times during the match was Eddie on the top rope and he goes for a big move and he just, he doesn't hit it. I wrote that down. I said, I cannot imagine how many times you, he had it. And then just Brock gets up, rolls out of the way. He misses it. Like it was at least eight or nine times that Eddie was on the top and just, and just missed a move. And, you know, with what Jimmy said before, I mean, that, that F5 counter at the end of the match, then into the frog splash to win was such an amazing clip. I mean, it epitomized that match in what, like 30 seconds. It was, it was absolutely fantastic. And one of the, one of the biggest pops ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still today. Yeah. Should they change the name of the frog splash to just like the Eddie, the splash, Eddie splash? Or, or Latino splash or something like that? Like, I mean, could, cause I, I mean, Chaz makes a, a good, you know, a good point. <laughs> Was there ever a better frog splash? I don't Probably know. Better. RVD had a pretty good five star. Yeah. RVD's got a good one too. But Eddie, Eddie, Eddie doing the shimmy before he does it especially when he did it off the top of the cage, was amazing. But some of RVDs off the ladder have been. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to think about that because I, I, I don't disagree. RVD, RVD's frog splash was good because of the impact. Because he would flat out Tight. lay out on the guy. And when he hit you, he would like, like And when he would jump off. across the ring but Eddie was solid with his frog splash. He always felt like comp- it was like a, a a cannonball coming down on you. The way Eddie was like compact and hitting that frog splash, it felt like Eddie's frog splash was a perfect finisher, and RVD's was a perfect big spot. I made enemies in chat. <laughs> I said Leo Rush has a really good frog splash. Drink. I mean, everybody can shake your head. Just go watch a fucking video of it. He's got a really he does. good frog splash. He does. I don't. Know. I think he's third behind those two, though. I don't know. I don't know that I'm saying he's got the best. I just you're just being Jimmy. You're just, just being you know. Jimmy. And you're being difficult. That's typical big baby Jimmy. You just gotta okay. go against the grain. You know, you gotta like your single stuff Oreos. I don't know. Every other I mean, it's better than it's world. better than it's better than like it's it. I may be controversial, Big Baby Jimmy, but at least I'm on time. I do my homework. My dogs don't bark every three seconds. I mean, I think I'm doing pretty good on this podcast. First off, they are good boys. They're very good boys. Second (laughs) off, you're not controversial. You're contradictive. And third off, I'm going to jump into this No Way Out match. So we – Oh, no. Go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to ask, though – and we've talked about this before. If I sat there and like rubbed your stomach and agreed with everything you said in the entire podcast, do you think our content would be interesting at all? Don't yeah. touch my stomach. Oh, it would be creepy. I mean, also, you touch my stomach. Beside it being creepy. <laughs> go ahead. Let's hear your I can take. Go. I can Nick. go now. It'll, it'll be pretty short. You guys covered most of it. Yeah, it was an A-plus match. Uh, everyone loves a good underdog story. Um, 
I think they built to this really well because you just, you know, so many times throughout the match, like there's no way he's going to win. Like he's going to lose again. Like he's going to come up just short, like yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he wins. The crowd reaction was super cool. And yeah, it was, it was probably post attitude era. One of the better moments, you know, in WWE history where it was just like, you know, everyone in the arena that night was just so thrilled. Like, you know, the finally the crowning of a guy who's worked his ass off for, a number of years to get to this pinnacle and you know he beats probably the biggest wrestler the last couple of years you know there was the rock stone cold era you know triple h had his thing but brock lesnar probably from like late 2002 to this point in time was you know he was the top guy in wwe you know he won more often than he lost you know he was a pretty big deal and, you know, getting Eddie over, you know, a month before WrestleMania where you think you're going to have like a, you know, when Kurt wins that first match, like, okay, we're going to do Kurt, Brock Lesnar, we're going to redo it, we're going to run it back, and maybe Kurt will go this time. But then when Eddie won and Eddie went over, you know, I think that surprised probably a lot of people at the time. And I don't know, I think it'll always be remembered, like you said, hope, kind of wish it could have been Brock's last match, you know, because that WrestleMania 20 match was just a joke. Everyone knew he was leaving, you know, everyone knew Goldberg was leaving, but no, this match right here, that was a WrestleMania main event type of moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Like, Eddie finally got his championship, and I don't know, A-plus. Couldn't be much – they did it really well. I agree. A-plus. I And A-plus for the whole pay-per-view, you know, really. I, yeah. I think it was good start to finish. I'm not surprised, Chaz, that it's your, your, your favorite pay-per-view of all time. It is awesome. Yeah, hey – Thank you for suggesting me go back and watch that pay-per-view because I don't know that I would go, no way out 2004. Yeah, I feel like watching this today. Like, obviously, I'd go back and watch Eddie's moment to me, but the whole pay-per-view, getting to go back to watch the whole thing, I, it didn't feel like I was doing any homework. It felt like I was just enjoying myself watching a fun wrestling show. I miss it. I miss fun wrestling shows. But that brings up the most important part of this podcast that we're taping right now is anybody that's watching right now uh if you have something that you think that we should go and watch go ahead and uh post it in chat and uh we will then if we got multiple answers i'll make a poll throw it up on twitter let everybody vote on it and then that will be our topic for next time so hit hit us up in chat right now anything you think we might, we might like watching that would be good content for us to talk about. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. Uh, other than that, you know, um, I'm still going to be here for, we're still going to be here for a little bit, but, um, I'm going to kind of close it out and stop the recording. And then anybody that's watching this, uh, as a recording, this actually happened like Sunday, previous Sunday. So you had to wait like, half a week and why you didn't want to come watch it live and chat with us and have a good time i don't know saturday you got you boys have anything to say before we finish good luck editing jimmy (laughs) (laughs) sorry bro and on that note me me and most of the wrestlers in the world would like you to uh remember that single stuff oreos are the superior oreo and um (laughs) untrue Untrue. and just because these schlubs on the podcast think that double stuff oreos are so much better hey just because it ain't working for you 
doesn't mean it ain't working. So thanks for watching the Bald Monkeys Wrestling Podcast. And we will get to you at some point within a few days as to what the next topic will be. We'll see you then. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Bald Monkeys. You can also catch our interviews on WrestleJoy.com. Watch any of our other interviews or our roundtable podcasts at YouTube. Just search for The Bald Monkeys. And listen to The Bald Monkeys podcast on Apple iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.